I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. Bum, 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 bum. It is good to be back here in the studio. It's so good to have you back, Daniel. Yeah, it's good rest. What we'll to do with you sometimes? I sat in that chair that you're sitting what? in. I was sitting in that, that chair, chair last week. That's yeah. why it felt more godly. And Josh sat in my chair, and it was uh, it was yeah. odd, but uh, but it was Josh had a good time though. Josh is really good at this. He was so good. He's good at this. It was yeah. a delight to edit and yeah, well, listen good. to, and really cool, cool, really good. Yeah, well, today uh, we are looking, we are closing out the book of Ezekiel. Hallelujah. And, and it is, it's a long book. It's a long, rough book. You know, book. this is that section of reading in the Bible, and I love the prophets. Isaiah, though, is one of my favorite. I love Isaiah. And Jeremiah, I can really get into it. Ezekiel is one of those, it's like it comes in pockets. Mm. Like, I, it's like, yeah. I don't know what we're talking about, I don't know what we're talking about. Oh, oh wait. Dry bones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, something interesting. <laughs> right. Something really good. And then, and, and and when it's good, it's really good. Yeah. It's super quotable, solid stuff. Um, but uh, today we're going to look at that. Also, um, we then move into the book of Daniel, which is another great solid. Uh, solid, yeah. Daniel, the stories in Daniel are just amazing. It's so. a lot easier to understand too. Yeah, throughout. yeah, it's a lot of narrative. Yeah, and narrative obviously, obviously is easier to understand. The uh, Psalms, we don't uh, do we do Psalms 132, 133, 134, 135. And uh, Proverbs, <laughs> we get through five verses in Proverbs, uh, and uh, well seven. But the um, um, James, we close out the book of James and get into First Peter. And, and the New Testament reading at this time in our Bible reading is so good. Oh. All the way through Revelation. And uh, it is awkward when you do a Bible reading plan. You wind up in Revelation at Christmas time every time. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's. You want to be talking about the first coming, but you end up talking about the second exactly. one. Exactly. So uh, that's, it's kind of, it's not the same kind of reading as Luke chapter two, <laughs> uh, but in Revelation, uh, whatever. Uh, the, um, yeah, I'm not even going to use examples. We'll wait till we get there. But, uh, but anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today. So we're, I'm excited. Ooh, it was a great, too. great week of reading. Yeah, let's do it. All right, we are back, ready to talk about the devotional segments of what we read this week. That's right, and the idea is, is that when you're reading through the Bible and you're praying that God will speak to you through the reading, it's kind of meditating upon the Scripture. So each day as you're going through your Bible reading, and we do have a reading plan. It's available on mm -hmm. our website mm -hmm. at uh, www.fbcj.us, FBCJ standing for First Baptist Church Jackson. Uh, the um, But when you go through the reading... And you are praying that God will illuminate things as you read. And so what we do is, um, or at least me, and I won't speak for Dana, but uh, <laughs> when I'm reading, I write down a passage that sticks out to me in my journal, and then I write, here's what I think God was saying to me. I've been doing that for years, actually, yeah. over, like over 20-something years. Well, it's and, amazing because yeah. you can go back years yeah. later and see what God said. See what God said. It, and, and what's really Interesting. Sometimes, sometimes you go back and you'll say God says something different every time. Sometimes I'll go back and I wrote down the exact same verse and the exact same thing every single time, not realizing I was writing down something I had written down ten times before. Yeah. 
but um, that's cool. but it's but it's but that just goes to show we need to be reminded of things over yeah. and over again. You can't read through the Bible once and say, okay, I got it. Um, I read through it constantly, and still. I have to be some things just have to be done over repetition yeah. just has to be done over and over. I was over talking again. to Josh actually today, uh, mm-hmm. and I showed him this pile of of journals that I have that I from my daily quiet time, and I just you know you write like a little paragraph or whatever mm-hmm. it is, and um, and I told him I mean those now to me are so valuable. Like if the mm-hmm. church burned down and I had to you know I'd grab that before I grabbed my guitar or computer or anything. Like those are so valuable. Right. So like pictures of our children. Like. Pictures of our children, yes, but those are backed up on the cloud. I don't really need those. <laughs> yeah, okay, different times. Yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, I, let me start. I, I wanted to share something from um, James chapter five. Mm. He says, um, "Well, let me read it out of the Bible because um, not that I don't trust my handwriting here, but um, in James chapter five, okay, nothing like on a podcast, somebody looking up something." In the Bible, wondering how long it takes them to turn to that particular page. So if you guys want to try to Bible drill at home, you can pause the podcast, go back, see if you can beat our pastor at finding the book of James. This is not my Bible drill book. uh, (laughs) I've got one especially for that. Um, Here's what he says. He says in verse 19 of chapter 5, he says, My brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. I, I think that is such a powerful way to end uh, the book of James. It is a, um, it is a, uh, he has just finished telling people, asking them, is anybody among you suffering? Uh, he should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is any among you sick? He should call for the elders of the church. And then gives the illustration of Elijah as just a normal man, prayed for it to stop raining and prayed again for it to start raining. And 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 one of my most repeated uh, quotes from the Bible, sometimes uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek, and I'll explain it uh, in a second, uh, he says um, the prayers of the... Of, where I'm, I'm, I've lost it. I'm, I'm looking, and he says, I'll just read it. The prayer of the faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Uh, now, um, I, I think of the King James Version, I Avail think, which is much. the prayer yeah, the yeah. prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, and and I, I will say this all the time to people. Uh, when they we, we pray and nothing good happens, I said, well, you probably needed a more righteous person to pray, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, or, or we're going to look for a righteous person to see right. if we can pray for this prayer. Uh, kind of tongue in cheek, but the idea is this: one, uh, theologically, it's not our righteousness that we're talking about. We're talking about uh, the righteousness of Christ. But it is what it means is is when we are walking in the Spirit of God, when we are connected through Christ, when we are praying in His will. Uh, that is an effective prayer. And here's what God is saying to us in this. It's so powerful is that uh, that he literally includes us in the process of carrying out his will, meaning that uh, this is something I used to think, why why do we even pray? If God's going to do what God's going to do. Sure. Like if it's supposed to rain today, he's going to make it rain. Why do I even pray? Uh, and, and then it was like somebody said, well, it's to make you feel good or whatever. And it's like, but when you actually look at the word and see what he says, he moves us to pray. 
but he does it as a result of us praying, mm-hmm. meaning the prayer that we are praying actually is effective. Mm-hmm. He actually is using us. It's, it's very much like uh, when you have your child and you say, hey, I want you to help me with something. And you hand them, or you're going fishing, and you say, hey, do you want to help me fish? And you're, ca- and, and you're casting a reel, casting a reel, casting a reel. But then you hand the rod and reel to them and say, okay, now here's what I want you to do. And you show them how to do it. And they say, I want you to cast it out here. And you have, and they, they are literally, they are casting the reel. I mean, they're casting the line out there. And so they're doing it. Uh, but you are including them in it. And so God is like, hey, I am, I'm carrying out my will, changing the world, redeeming mankind. And I want to include you in this process. Yeah. And so uh, here's what I want you to say. And so you say it. And now when you say it, I'm going to do it. Uh, and and that's why he says the prayers. I mean, and that's what he did with Elijah. He moved upon Elijah. You know, when you're reading where Elijah calls fire down from heaven, it never says. God told him to do that. Mm. He just does it. But he is so in sync with God. Yeah. When he does, when he calls for the fire to come down and consume the sacrifice, God sends the fire. God always intended this in the fire, yeah. but he used Elijah to bring about his will. So it was his effective prayer. And, and then James is just pointing out, he's just a guy just like you and me. Uh, and, and then he closes out, and I went through all that just to get to this part, um, that he says, if, if anybody strays from the truth, if you have a brother or sister who's straying from the truth and someone turns him back, uh, he says, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death. What a powerful, powerful admonition for all of us that when you see somebody who is struggling, when you see somebody who's really having a rough day, that we are not just to look at them and go, that's so sad, or you're so pitiful, or to worse, to gossip about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But when you see that, you are looking at a drowning victim. You're looking at somebody who is struggling in their own sin. Um, I was talking to someone the other day and, and we were talking about, you know, this person was rude to me or this person was difficult to me. And I just reminded him, I said, when somebody is doing something that you know is wrong, don't think how much you hate them or how much they've wronged you. Think in terms of how they are not where they need to be in their relationship with Christ. And therefore they are going to suffer or struggle as a result of that. And just take that moment, say, how can I turn this person back in the right direction? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and because when you do that, you are many times saving that person. The wages of sin is death. So if you see a person who is sinning and you can turn that person from sin back to the truth, lead them to repentance, then you are saving them from death. Mm, that's so. good. Well, it's so, it's so hard because we do that, right? We talk mm-hmm. to, we, most of the time, I think we just talk to each other about how lousy of a Christian or how backslidey a person is. Yeah, um, even if it's ourselves. Yeah, yeah. but is but we know, I think we, we don't want to do the work of bringing them back, and I think we're afraid <laughs> of the cost. Yes. You know, like we we get into this this place, like it takes, not only does it take effort, but like it takes association, and it takes um, extra, like, like you're afraid of like retribution even mm. from them, and um, and the fact is those aren't lies those those are that may be fear coming in from the enemy but that's not that's not false jesus encountered all those things when he stepped out of his kingdom to do business with us in our hearts mm. we were the ones turned astray and he came in and and worked with us and pulled us out of the error of our ways and he was he was murdered for it right. he was like bad things happened to him from the people who thought that they were doing right so we may lose some cred in the eyes of people around us we may right. lose um, friendships or relationships, and um, 
but so did Christ. Like that makes us more like him. And and it's amazing. It's convicting how little we pay attention to other people. Mm. How we just how we are not really even examining whether people are where they need to be doing yeah. what they need to be doing. Because we're thinking about ourselves. Sure. You know, we're thinking about what I'm doing and what I'm doing right and support. We assume they're okay. Yeah, we we do. We assume, and that's a crazy assumption. Yeah. Because so many so so many of us are not okay. Who is ever okay? <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. And I've I've never encountered somebody where I had a conversation that says everything perfect about your life, and and if it, you know if you get through down past a layer, I'm never gonna go. Yeah, everything is absolutely perfect right. in my life right now. Um, but uh, but we are when we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit when we are, when I just. Yeah, you know, I'm so much not this person, but I love people <laughs> who are so Christ-like when they are when they are looking at somebody and say, "Hey, do you ever think?" I wonder. And they don't even say it in a in a in a mean way or a, or a bashing way. It's more like, "Hey, you know, I was uh, when I'm talking about somebody and they and they get this look of concern on their face. They go, "Oh my goodness," they said that they must be struggling with something mm-hmm. or you know. And it's like, "Oh yeah, I didn't even really think about that." <laughs> and think about it, they may have they may have needs. Right. Uh, I was just <laughs> laughing at the fact that they fell, you know, whatever. But uh, no, but the uh, but that's that's because we we just uh, you're you're right. We just it takes time, effort, energy, and we've got our own agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are the we are the the parable of Good Samaritan over and over again. But we're mm-hmm. the two people who walk past because we got better things to do right. than stop and help somebody. We're rarely the hero in the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Cool. What'd you say? What'd you get? Man, um, it's more of a which one to pick kind mm-hmm. of scenario. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with just to start off. Um, I'm gonna go with. Um, book of Daniel. We we kind of entered into that t- uh, this week. Kind of your favorite book, maybe. Why did everyone? Okay, so when someone's <laughs> named James, nobody says that to them. When someone's named, I don't know, Habakkuk, maybe. Uh, but yeah, Daniel's right on the line. That That's I can't. Right. I can't. Favorite talk about Elton John it. song. Oh, Dan- Daniel, it's your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it is. But I love it. I love. I love the Bible. I do. Um, I love Daniel's heart, and I I yeah. love that I'm named after him. Um, genuinely, and. Um, hey, you should have the name Troy. That's just. Oh yeah, none in the Bible at none all. None of that. Yeah. But you get a cool movie. Brad maybe, Pitt. I, yeah, maybe I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not the same. I want to be. I want to be Daniel. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, that's good. That's good. <laughs> well, yeah, he's uh, Daniel's just an awesome character uh, in he the is. Bible. He's just. It's like he. There's there's so many heroes of the faith that ha- that have such struggles, and I think it's not that Daniel doesn't have them. It's just that they're not like highlighted hmm. as much. And the narrative is so good. The the visions are just interesting enough to to be um, interesting, I guess, um, and not, oh, what is that? What could that possibly mean? I think we, it's, people have kind of tried to figure that out, but um, I love Daniel's job um, in, in, as the, the book progresses, and he kind of gets the job in this section, so I figured it, it carries it on in the future weeks, but uh, I thought I'd mention that when he is, when he interprets Nebuchadnezzar's first dream, mm. Um, he, you know, he gets, you know, money and prestige and everything. We focus on those things, but it actually. So he turns all those things down. Though he yeah, turns them down. Yeah, yeah. But the thing that he actually gets and like continues to do for the rest of his life is this job that is the worst uh, for a God follower. <laughs> like you think, what could, what would be the worst thing for a Jew to be, uh, you know, elevated to the position of? And he's in charge of the magicians. And the quote wise men of all these other cultures That's and right. the astrologers, astrologers, these things that that God followers are not to associate with, right. and He's in charge of them, and He elevates His friends <laughs> to come with Him, and um, and it's just this crazy situation because Daniel never, we're never given 
at least in the in our what we have in the word that he complains about it hmm. we're never given that um he must do an amazing job because he just can you know excels from there um and in this horrible ungodly position in this horrible ungodly nation with this horrible ungodly boss you know hmm. it is the the man daniel just serves the lord and just is faithful to do what god says and god keeps calling on him to do good work for um for the for the nation of Israel and for God's people throughout history. I mean, he works in him mightily. And I think we can um you know, it's it's different for me personally, but I've had like like right now because I have I have a job in the church with right. people I love, you know, it's a great thing. Um uh, but I've had I've not always been here and I know that people around the church like have jobs that they really struggle with how to serve the Lord in. Mm. Um, and Daniel is a great example to look to to say, wow, he didn't complain. He didn't gripe. He didn't say, God, why me? Um, he, he didn't. That's the one thing he didn't turn down mm. uh, because that was something that God was placing him for. And he saw that as an opportunity um, to be kind of a, a mole, kind of a plant in um, in this time and is a wonderful, wonderful example because, man, he does such good work there um, yeah. in times. like. And I think about um, people that serve in ministry in places that I would find really difficult, um, like um, Ben, he was our family pastor mm. not too long ago, and he went off to be a chaplain in the Air Force, Army? Army. Army, yeah. Um, Fort Riley. Fort Riley, yeah. And he, um, but it, not just a chaplain, he's in charge of all different religions, like worship services, mm-hmm. and making sure that they happen. And and that's, that's I, I think of Daniel immediately mm. in that, and think, wow, Ben like can, has such an example here, mm. uh, and such an opportunity and well placed to do so much good work. So, um, anyway, uh, I hope that's encouraging for people who are in difficult employment positions. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that story because uh, you know what he um, when they when the king says I'm gonna kill everybody. Yeah. Uh, because unless you can not, he's they're like tell us the dream and we'll interpret it. And he's like no. If you have the power to interpret it, the only way I can trust your interpretation if you tell me what the dream is. And they're like, what? <laughs> and they're like, nobody. And, and it even says, no king, no ruler has ever done that. Right. It's like that. This is you're. That's not fair. You're right. playing outside there. And then Daniel comes, and Daniel, over and over again, he'll say this. And and, and I thought you were going to say this when you're talking about the difficult job. He's like, I don't know. Mm. I just know the God who does. Mm. And if God wants to show me, He'll show me. And then and he'll tell me what to do. And then they put him in a position. That means now, every single time, <laughs> God, you, Daniel doesn't have this power. Yeah. He just knows the God. So it's like you're completely dependent upon God. It's like you're. It's like God, please <laughs> keep giving me information. He's gonna keep asking me questions, and I have no idea what I'm doing. It, but it, isn't that a, a beautiful picture of what it is to serve in 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 a role for yeah. God? Uh, it's like uh, in the role we're in, you know, yeah. all the time people think there's something special <laughs> about us. It's like no. I don't know, we got nothing. <laughs> it's like God just given me everything so far, and it's like, and if that ever stops, I'm in real trouble. <laughs> <laughs> because the and and you know that's the way ministry is supposed to be. Uh, but so often people are like, you need to do something, or we mm. need to do something. It's like. I don't know if you know this. Right. I don't know what to do. <laughs> oh, we feel that so keenly right now this year. Yeah. Yeah, we went to school so that we could learn how to handle COVID pandemic situations in the church. Exactly. No, Tom Rainer yeah. just wrote the book like two months ago. <laughs> exactly. And even when he was starting out, he's like, 
I've never done this never before. Done this it's before. like, and we're all looking at him going, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, you're guessing like everybody else is guessing, but, but we don't have to guess. Yeah. Uh, and, and when we, we get to these situations, we have to remind ourselves, God is the one with the answer. Mm-hmm. And if he doesn't give us the answer, it's kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is not in this particular, it's from next week's reading. Spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, but uh, they're like, uh, our God can save us. Mm-hmm. He might not. He cannot. Yeah. <laughs> but doesn't change anything. We're not going to worship your God. Right. Uh, we're just we're still going with the God we got. Um, I, I had something from First Peter chapter four. It says, but the that kind of segues here with our end of the world. Uh, but the <laughs> but the end of all things is at hand. Now, when you start a passage with those words, <clears throat> that's kind of like. Um, uh, when it was written two thousand years ago, you're like, what was he talking about? You don't. But this is something that I always remind people uh, when you're reading the Word and when you're talking about Revelation and the end of times and so forth, and especially when people are talking about tribulation. Um, it's one of the issues I have with the Left Behind series <laughs> because it's it's so American. <laughs> it, I mean, because you're you're thinking, um, you know, it's a bunch of people on a plane and everybody's gone or whatever, and so they avoid this tribulation that's coming. Well, how do you how do you think people feel who are suffering in persecution? Uh, and and I and there I'm not going to share how awful those stories are because they're too awful to even I think even put into uh, to even speak about. But but people are going through this persecution and suffering and difficulty. So when Peter is saying the end of all things is at hand, he is that is true for the people he is speaking to. It is true for us today. For somebody right now listening, uh, it could be the end of all things for you at any given moment. Mm. And and we always have to be uh, prepared. So he says, therefore, because the end of all things is at hand, therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Did we not just hear that in James? Yeah. Uh, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is one of our our passages that we use when we're talking about how God has given us all gifts to use. And he's basically saying he's given you the ability to do something, and so when you do it, you do it for the glory of God. When people come and say, here's something that that, uh, that people say all the time, I don't know what my gift is, or I don't have any gifts, or whatever, and and that kind of I'll piggyback on that. Something people also say is, um, I'm I'm a failure. I'm not any good in anything. When you say that, when you're saying it is not an indictment on you, we think that sounds humble, but what it, we're really saying is, this is what I believe about God, because it's not your power anyway. It's not your gift. It's God's gift. It's God's ability you're calling into question. So when you say, I'm not any good at anything, you're really saying that God is not capable of doing anything good through me. And he is. So you're deceived at best and um, blasphemous at worst. But uh, you're a liar. Uh, But uh, but the the reality is, is that God has given us this. And and he's saying, because we're, uh, I remember this, I think I've shared this before. We had a guy at FCA when I was in high school, came and spoke to us. And he was shot in the head. He was a bartender. And a guy came in 
And he was like, he was like, he was trying to be tough guy and like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to give you any money or whatever. Just get on out of here. And the guy just shot him in the head. And then so he, and he didn't die and he didn't even lose consciousness. And he bends over and he said, I start cussing and all this profanity. And then he all of a sudden he realizes I'm going to be standing before God in just a few seconds. <laughs> Is this what I want the last things to be? So he said, I just started, I went all the way back to my childhood, everything I can remember about Jesus. And I start praying, you know, God, you know, and so forth. And he says, I never lost consciousness. And, and of course, he never died. Right. <laughs> he's, he's, telling he's telling us the story. But um, but it was like God said, it, but it changed his life, obviously. And he went to the ministry. And, and it, but it always that always sticks in my mind that when I think of the end of all things at hand, then we should be serious. I mean, we should when, when you get into a situation where the coronavirus is going rampant or whatever, and you have this fear that maybe you could get sick or somebody could get sick or, or that – something bad could happen or this country could invade or whatever, whatever you're thinking is going to bring the end of your world. It's just a reminder. God allows that thought in your head. It's just a reminder. The end of your world can come at any time through a lot of different ways. And Peter is reminding us, therefore we should be serious and watchful in our prayers in our interaction with God as we're talking to him and above all things, be fervent in our love for each other. Um, we life is when we say that life is too short literally it is too short for us to get caught up in squabbles or anger toward other people and so forth you know and when you get upset about something you just have to constantly remind yourself i don't have time for this we don't have time to be upset you see this in the movies all the time you know when when they're in a crisis or whatever and people start arguing they'll look and say we don't have time to argue you we got to all be together and so forth well that's really what peter's saying mm. we're in that mode all the time the church really it should always be mindful when you get ready to argue about the color of carpet. You think, we don't really have time to argue about the color of carpet. The world could end. Um, and when people blow that off and say, ah, oh, the world's not going to end, somebody's world is going to end today. Mm. And so uh, we need to always be mindful and fervent our love for each other, taking advantage of every moment that God gives to us. Wow. it's awesome. No, Peter did. Peter said it. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hop over hard break here. Um, hmm. Psalm 135 Ooh. is uh, towards the end of what we read, and um, I just opened up. This is a different Bible than I use for my quiet time, but I was opening it up today, um, just kind of preparing some thoughts for the podcast, and um, I saw something that I had done um, years ago. I was probably early high school, maybe hmm. a sophomore in high school, and um, I read this book by Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin. I like them. Um, yeah, they're, they're cool. Um, they're not like heavy theology necessarily, but they're, they're, they're good, solid stuff. And uh, man, is, is how to do like a quiet time in the Psalms mm. and um, just how to, how to worship the Lord and, and pray to the Lord out of the Psalms. And I thought maybe I'd walk through that as, as kind of my thing because I haven't done it for a while and it's just really good practice um, to have. So like in Psalm 135 is what I had written down years ago. Um, just take like, take like a, a verse. Like I have the first verse, praise the name of the Lord, praise him, O servants of the Lord. So servants of the Lord, then I write off to the side, wow, if we're servants of the Lord, that means he's our master. So mm -hmm. I take some kind of aspect or attribute of God and write it off to the side. And if you don't like to write in your Bible, you can get like a journal or something. Yeah. Um, but I write off master and then, okay, it goes, goes down the list. Verse three, praise the Lord for the Lord is good. Well, that's easy. Good. Like he's a good master, you know, so right. you go down the list and Psalm 135 is 21 verses long. Mm. 
So you have a lot of opportunity. You're going to have a pretty nice size list by the end of the chapter. And then, so now you've read and meditated on the whole scripture, and it gives you a like a list of things to pray to God and praise him for. So like you go through, Lord, you are a good master. Thank you for being such a good master to me. I'm sorry that, you know, leads you into confession, leads you into self-reflection and like what kind of servant you've been. Like a good master is like the graces he's given you and like thankfulness can come out of that. And if you just take, this doesn't take any time. And the more you do it, the faster it goes. But um, the, just as, I mean, 10 minutes will just be such an enriching time. It's probably the most enriching um, as I read that book, I think it was called I think it was called Worship by Louis Giglio. I want to say, uh, but um, you don't even have to, you don't have to buy the book because it just it's just a whole bunch of things just like this. You can do it by yourself. Um, but man, ten minutes a day will get you so much time with the Lord that just is hmm. is irreplaceable. Um, and and you can do that throughout the rest of the Bible. It is it does help kind of give you muscles to you know extract things from the word um, for devotional sake. But if you don't know how to do anything about reading the Bible, it's probably a little late in the podcast to talk about how to read the Bible. But um, if that's where you are, that's a that's a great place to start. It's where I started. Um, and since then, it's just been so valuable for me. Um, and yeah. So. Yeah. I, and I think that uh, the temptation is to focus uh, by doing what you, you're saying. It takes our focus on all the things that are happening around us in the mm-hmm. world and refocuses on God. Yes. And and gives us a God perspective of the world. And 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 while there are bad things happening and so forth, it, it reminds us that he's we forget to praise him. Mm. It's so easy to slide into a non-praise, non-thanksgiving. Uh, I think that's why when we come together to worship on Sunday, the best worship is when you've been worshiping all week. Yeah. And you come together to just worship with friends. Yeah. You know, but uh, but if that's the only time you get to worship, then your week is going to be lacking. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a real bummer. Yeah. All right. Well, let's um, let's take a break, and we will come back and uh, deal some questions. All right. All right, this is the question and answer segment. The question and answer segment. The moment you've all been waiting for. And I wish that people had sent us in questions, but I didn't get a question sent in to me. But I did have a question that I have all the time uh, when I read Ezekiel, and I wanted to answer it, get it answered before I came on the podcast today. So I spent a good portion of time figuring or looking up the answer to this nice. uh, in all the resources that I have. And it comes from uh, chapters 41 through 48, where Ezekiel is describing uh, a temple. And uh, and the, the challenge is that temple does not exist. It has never been built. And so uh, the question is, why did God give Ezekiel this vision of a temple if it was never built? Or is it going to be built? Is it a prophecy of a temple that is going to be built? And there's actually a few different viewpoints on this, but it kind of you can narrow it down to really three primary viewpoints. And one is that uh, the temple is is going to be rebuilt in the millennial reign of Christ. That it is something that is going to be done um, uh, as part of the unfolding of Revelation. That is something that's coming. Um, and uh, the other uh, the other answer to that is that it's metaphoric. It's just simply symbolic. It's symbolic of, it could be symbolic of uh, God's eternal home, uh, that uh, the temple that he's just describing um, 
and uh, and the other uh, and then the third option is kind of a hybrid of those two. It's kind of um, that the temple is this is what God was saying the people of Israel needed to do, uh, and but they just never did it, which was kind of in line with that they never fully realized what it was that God wanted to do in the first place. And I, I, I lean toward that one, uh, and the reason is is and, and kind of a hybrid of the two. I, one of the cool things is just. That I in my research of looking, there's a there's a website that's uh, Biblia Prince. I don't know if it's, that's if you Google Biblia Prince, B-I-B-L-I-A Prince, uh, they have 3D renderings of things that are in the Bible, and so they do this what? whole 3D rendering of Ezekiel's temple, which is just the coolest thing because I don't know if you when you read through chapters 40 through 48 and you're trying to get all these measurements and everything, I don't know how your brain works. But I'm not putting something I'm together. Not my, I'm, yeah, I'm not putting something together in my head that, that looks like something. I'm like, I wonder what in the world. And I thought, surely somebody who's smarter than me uh, put this together. And sure enough, sure enough. they did. The, it, now there's several different versions, uh, but uh, but the Biblical Prince is just a version because figuring out what cubits are and spans yeah. and, and those reads and those kind of links. But it's like a possible version. Yeah, it's a yeah. possible version. It's super cool though, because when you read, it'll show the text, and and then it'll show here's how that would look or could potentially look. Uh, really kind of put. It. But but here's the thing, when uh, Zerubbabel was uh, getting, they were getting ready to go into exile and so forth, and and they were build, rebuilding the temple uh, uh, when they were when they were released uh, under Darius and so forth, and and you remember Ezra and Nehemiah, and they came back and they built basically uh, Nehemiah's wall, Ezra's temple. Uh, it was not anything like Solomon's temple, and people said that over and over again. You know, this isn't Solomon's temple. And then Herod comes along and just tears that one completely down and builds up something back that's actually still considered the second temple uh, because it was not. Uh, it was kind of just a remodeling, reconstruction, even though there was he tore it down to the ground and rebuilt the whole thing. But it was, but they, but it wasn't a. Uh, the temple didn't cease operating. It's kind of like we operate in a trailer over here. <laughs> <laughs> while he's doing this operation over here, and then we come back. But um, but the the question was is that I mean the thought is is that so what was the purpose of this temple? Well, if you think of it like this, that God is comes to Ezekiel. If you're the people of Israel and you're in exile and you have been taken, uh, the thing that you would lament the most uh, as God's people, or one of the things that was a big source of sorrow when Ezekiel is writing Ezekiel, is when the temple was destroyed. Mm. Um, now you've had, it's like this, things have gotten bad before, but we've never lost the temple. And so from, for hundreds of years, we've had the tabernacle where we, we worship God from the time we came out of Egypt. Then we built a temple where we worship God. And now all of a sudden we have nothing. We have no place to meet with God, no place where we offer atonement, no place. And, and so this would become the longing. Uh, and so God comes through Ezekiel and says, I am going to restore this. I am going to restore your ability to interact with me, your ability to come to me and so forth. And the visual is here is the temple. And so all the measurements and everything are just simply an assurance that it's going to happen again. Uh, it could be possibly disobedience on their part or lack of faith on their part or misdirection on their part that they never built it. But one of the things that you have to think historically, they had Ezekiel's measurements. They could have built mm, that they temple, they, but they didn't. So they may have seen it as being symbolic or metaphorical, but uh, for whatever reason. Or it could have been disobedience. It could have been they should have built Ezekiel's temple, and they didn't. Uh, that's very possible that yeah. they didn't do what God wanted them to do. Well, we have a lot of that in the Old Testament, right? Where yeah. God says, this is what you can have yeah. if you do it. 
and then they're like, eh, I'm good. <laughs> That's right. We're going to do it this way. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it our way, which would be, uh, which would then ultimately God fulfills his temple, I believe, in Jesus. I yeah. think Jesus is, and so I don't, I personally don't believe there's going to be another temple built um, if in obedience to God anyway. I mean, people may go out and construct a temple, but I don't think that's, I think God has accomplished what he means to accomplish through the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and he is the, the temple and we are the priest, uh, kingdom of priests now that serve, uh, with that and, and our bodies, our, ourselves, the body of Christ, uh, to our temples of the Holy Spirit. So, um, so I think from this point forth, it would be more symbolic. Plus I don't think there's going to be, because uh, when you get into the eschatology where people believe there's going to be a temple, it's like, they think the sacrifices aren't going to be for necessarily for sins, but for ritual, uh, cleansing or whatever. Mm. That's a messy interpretation because, yeah. uh, really Jesus fulfilled kind all of, of the cleansing. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah, that's um, anyway. I don't know. Uh, that's that's my take on that. But it's a, it is a uh, it's a, it's a tough, challenging portion of scripture. But when you when you when you read through it, when you're reading through that portion of Ezekiel, and you just keep in mind that it is God saying, I I am going to resolve this. I'm, there will be a time when atonement will be made for your sins, and uh, and the sacrificial system will be made complete. Hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. You also had a question. Yeah. Well, on on your question, that just opens up. I like it when you ask questions of yourself because it opens up whole new categories in my mind. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to chew on that even though you already answered it. I'm going to be chewing on it for a while. <laughs> so that's cool. Uh, that's mine's good. significantly less chewy onable. Um, less chewy. It's more more probably liquid. But um, in James 5.12. Uh-huh. Let me grab it real quick. Yeah. Well, you don't have the book. The Bible memorized? Uh, you can't just pull that out? I do. I have to look at the commentaries. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. He memorized it in the original Greek, so he has to translate it a little <laughs> That's bit. That's right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, just kind of a synopsis while he's on his way there. Um, okay. It says, hey, your, your time to James was faster than earlier. I know. I'm getting better. I'm practicing. Okay. Um, in the breaks, when we take breaks. That's right. Practicing Bible drills. I'm trying. I'm practicing. <laughs> um, and it says, um, above all, brothers, um, mm-hmm. Uh, do not swear by heaven or earth or with any other oath, but you let your yes be yes and your no be no, be no so that you don't fall under judgment. So my question isn't how to like how to fulfill that, you know, how to how to take that mm. into practice. Right. It's more like why is that of all this whole book of instruction, why is that one given a, the above all? Because we're given a lot of really important things. Mm. Uh, but why True, yeah. it's saved for the end and it says above all. So like what why is that more important than I think. Well, I think. I think that he is. Um, well, the, the, you kind of threw a curveball there on the above all part. I was. <laughs> not, I was. I was preparing for the why. Yeah. Why we talk about oaths, but uh, above all, why would he do this? I, I think that uh, this is kind of a a um, a thing that a device that uh, I was. I was looking at the last part of the. Uh, um, Last part of way he closes out the chapter, but uh, kind of a, a device when you are when you've been talking about something, talking about something, mm-hmm. and then to kind of say above all, uh, and like when he talked about, um, I was trying to think if it was First Peter we were just talking about or James, but uh, where he said that let your love for other people, mm-hmm. you know, be fervent mm-hmm. in your prayer, yep. uh, love for one another. Um, the um, the idea is is that this is uh, this is kind of what everything else hinges upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes when people read what Jesus has to say about oaths and what James says about oaths and so forth, they're meaning that we should never swear or make a covenant or make a promise and so forth. 
which is odd because we do that. We do have people to swear and we do have people to make covenants notes. When you get married, that's exactly you're making vows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would we never go to a wedding and say no no vows. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, that's really we're missing the point of what's being said. It's they're addressing a sinful behavior in people. And the sinful behavior in people is is that they're lying, that they are not being truthful or honest about their intentions, about what they're doing. So they came up with devices um, in order to be able to lie and so forth. Kind of like our when we when you cross your fingers mm-hmm. when you're saying something, as if crossing your fingers gave you the ability to lie, right. and it's okay because I have my fingers crossed when I said it. Uh, that's exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> uh, they had the equivalent of that. They would swear in the name of the temple or you know maybe a different mm-hmm. temple or or not or heaven, to, or, no, earth heaven or, earth. or earth or something something a little so it's not i'm not going to swear and we do this you know do you swear do you swear on your mother's grave you know do you swear on your mother's life you know as if that would make it more uh, and and he's saying no you should just simply be honest have integrity. you should have integrity yeah. and be honest um there is still a place for oaths. There's still a place for covenants and promise and so forth, but really doesn't mean anything uh, if a person is going to lie on a normal basis to ask for that uh, that swearing. I think when you ask someone to make a covenant, when you ask someone to whatever, it does it brings you into a place where you give pause and you think before I say this, I need to be very careful about what I'm saying. I'm going to be very careful with these words and make sure that I know and understand what I'm going to really say is true mm-hmm. because sometimes we're a little reckless with words. And I, and I think there's there are those moments when you're getting ready to say, I'm going to honor you for the rest of my life. I think you need to pause for a moment and say, why don't you think about that just for think about that just for a second, that I'm going to swear before God that I'm going to do this. And uh, and so when he says above all, I think that he's saying none of this works. None of the things mm-hmm. we've been talking about works if you do not have integrity yeah. or, or honesty in your kind of um, the linchpin. Right. This is what holds this all together. Yeah. If your words don't mean anything, then then it doesn't matter if you are, um, uh, it, you know, the, let me back up a little bit. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient to the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth uh, and is patient with it until he receives the early and late rains. You must also be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. Um, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Uh, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke the Lord's name as an. Okay, I hate it when my pages stick together. If I'd had it memorized, I wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, take the prophecy spoken in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we counted as blessed those who have endured. You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and um, and merciful. So he then has this, uh, it's just, a, again, a literary device above all. And so just kind of like to sum everything up, above all, um, I, I don't know that we're necessarily saying he's making a statement like a of saying this statement. is the most important thing you could ever do. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, but just saying in closing, mm-hmm. you know, sure. above all, this is uh, you need to do this as well. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. <sighs> I think that is that it. Do we complete time. a podcast? That's it. Okay. Well, thanks for being with us. Yeah. Come back again. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast put on by First Baptist Church of Jackson. If you would like more information, you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com.
gmail.com. You can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv. Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.